Welcome to the Dream Hub podcast, where we unravel the mysteries of the mind and explore the frontiers of healing and consciousness. I'm Melissa Johnson, your guide on this journey through dreams and beyond. Today, I have the privilege of hosting a very special guest, Dr. Catherine Lawson. Dr. Lawson is a trailblazer in the realm of integrative medical and mental health, pioneering the fusion of dream work and psychedelic medicine. With her groundbreaking program, Awake in the Dream, she's redefining the boundaries of therapy and self-discovery. In this episode, we'll dive into the fascinating world where dreams meet psychedelics. We'll explore how these two powerful experiences intertwine, shaping our understanding of the mind and its healing potential. Dr. Lawson shares her insights on the embodied imagination method, a unique approach that brings together dream work and psychedelic integration in transformative ways. So whether you're a professional in the field of mental health, a dream enthusiast, or simply curious about the deeper aspects of consciousness, this conversation promises to enlighten, inspire, and challenge the way that you think about the power of dreams and psychedelic experiences. So sit back, relax, and let's embark on this enlightening journey with Dr. Catherine Lawson. Welcome to Dream Hub. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you. And thank you for that amazing introduction, although it feels like a bit of a tall order. (laughs) I'll do my best. (laughs) So you're a dream therapist. I'm a dream therapist. Mm -hmm. I'm like, with all of this, I'm really interested in your journey How did you initially become involved in dream work? And then what led you to integrate that in with psychedelic medicine? Um, I initially became interested in dream work because of the um, program that I attended for my master's in counseling psychotherapy. I went to the Pacifica Graduate Institute and I got a degree that's focused on depth depth psychotherapy, which is... um, very closely aligned with Jungian psychoanalysis. So it's all about the collective unconscious and archetypes and and a lot of the foundational understandings found in Jungian psychology. I wrote my thesis for my master's on healing, dream work and healing, particularly with regard to um, trauma and sexual trauma, childhood trauma. And so as I went to get my licensure, after finishing my degree, I discovered that they didn't really, when I was trying to get my hours, nobody wanted me to talk about dreams. You know, they wanted me to talk about CBT and like all of this really clinical stuff. And I I was like, but no, (laughs) that doesn't make sense to me because our subconscious really feeds up in our sleeping and in our dreaming, the material that we need, our own material for us for our own healing. So I went along practicing in private practice and and kind of relying on some of what I understood about dream work. And then I decided to pursue a certificate in embodied imagination with Robert Bosnack, who's the pioneer of that method. I was lucky enough to be mentored by him and I did a three-year certification with him. And At that point, I really started to lean even more heavily into dream work because I saw that when you add the embodied piece, the physical piece to dream work and to psychotherapy, it potentiates it even more. And so 
I was kind of going along like that. And I got, uh, during my doctoral studies, I got a cancer diagnosis. And as a result of the treatment that I received for that from allopathic medicine, in addition to having the good fortune of being to receive embodied imagination while I was going through that, by the time it was over, um, one, I decided to pursue my doctorate in mind-body medicine because I really had a firsthand experience of how if we're not treated holistically, we're not really healing well. And I also got the firsthand benefit of seeing how helpful dream work was for people who were in existential crisis, essentially, which is what I was in. So I've had a lot of reason personally, um, educationally, to really come to understand and believe in the power, unlimited really potential that there is for healing within our dream realms. And then as I've worked with clients and been affiliated with MAPS for over eight years, I believe it is as a plant medicine integration specialist. So I've had the chance to kind of practice with the people who were reaching out to me. I came to understand that applying dream work practices to people's psychedelic experiences was really, really useful for them. That is so cool. I love it. I know exactly what you mean. In the last few episodes of on this podcast, we've been talking about like embodying things and feeling it through your dreams because it's that felt sense rather than just in therapy, like you hear the words and it kind of goes in and out, but in dreams you actually feel it. So it it just sinks in better and works better. I wanted to ask you, so when we talk about psychedelics and integrating them, what type of psychedelics um, do you help all of them all of them there is not a psychedelic that applying embodied imagination for the um, integration process is not useful i can tell you that most commonly because you know psychedelics are still not legal in the united states um i don't think that makes a really huge difference in whether people are taking them or using them or interacting with them or not you know, the statistics out there from the National Institute of Health is that 52 million Americans, and I think that that's low, have already interacted with psychedelic medicines. So we can skip over that legality part. Yeah. <laughs> I've so, seen a huge rise lately in everyone wanting to do like microdosing magic mushrooms right. and taking ayahuasca and mm -hmm. acids being big, like around mm -hmm. lately but it's the same thing in australia it's all illegal but i know like a trillion people are all still doing it and right exactly because it's the best so, thing for healing right <laughs> right so so what i see the most or was seeing the most when i was in private practice was um psychedelic mushrooms cambo which comes from a frog 5-meo dmt which comes from a toad ayahuasca LSD, MDMA, um, ketamine. Mm -hmm. There's there's several others. There's actually eight different medicines that we teach people how to help people prepare for in our training. The most common eight, but I would say that when I was getting calls through maps, those were probably the most common. Mm -hmm. 
It's so interesting. They all do so many. I mean, to me, I feel like they all do so many different things. I haven't tried a lot of any of that, but it sounds like, oh, it's from a toad or a frog. Like, ah. But I mean, you don't really know what the medicine from, like, what's in your antidepressant? Where did that come from? Like the chemist is just, you know, so it's just, wow. So much to question and to think about. So many of my listeners are curious about the relationship between psychedelic experiences and dreams. Can you explain how these two realms are interconnected? Well, what I've seen, I mean, you know, first of all, I want to say, I don't know. I, you know, we can't know Mm -hmm. and we have to kind of get comfortable with that because we do know that we're all dreaming every night. I mean, every man, woman, and child on the planet, right? And we don't know why. No, the scientists can't tell you why. They can tell you what's happening in your brain. And so I don't know exactly why, but I can tell you based on my my experience and my education that the same images that show up in dreams are frequently showing up in psychedelic experiences and that I believe that the source of those images actually comes from the person themselves and and through the person themselves as a result of being connected to something that Jung referred to as the collective unconscious. So I could go into describing what the collective unconscious is or not. I would imagine a lot of your listeners are familiar with that. And so we're seeing the same kind of archetypes, the same kind of images that have very particular meanings to the person who's actually having an experience with these images. Therefore, we can treat them in the same way. And these images are coming from really soulful places and really personal places. And so, I don't know, to me, but of course I've spent 20 years looking at this, it's a no brainer. It makes perfect sense that we would apply dream work practices to psychedelic visions because I believe that they are sourced from that same collective place through the person themselves. So when we say you are the medicine, it's because these are your images that are coming in service to your healing, to your enlightenment, to your well-being. Mm, that that's awesome. I well in my house, household, we kind of had an experience like that. My husband, <clears throat> my husband has PTSD and bipolar from being in the army for a long time. And he just recently went to a retreat in the Amazon jungle and they did the ayahuasca. Um, they did four sittings over two weeks. And he was just so glad that I'd learned about dreams and he'd just listened and heard all my stuff before going because He said it was so much like being in a dream and, you know, the next day after the first one, they were all talking about like the symbols that were coming up from for them and trying to figure out what it all meant for them. So I heard that they were all on my podcast the next day trying to like learn as much as they could because they didn't realize that it's so similar. I don't think that Mm -hmm. they really knew what to expect, that you just have some trip out and feel better. But Um, a lot of it was still coming through to him for weeks after even coming home and realizing what some of those symbols were meaning. Right. And that's a really important part that you're addressing, that, that the images can come for a long time, that the integration process can be lengthy and, and that it's really helpful to have support during that time. Yeah, definitely. I think people think that it's just, 
you do the medicine and you experience it for that period of time, those few hours that it's working for you. And then all of a sudden you come out of it and you're different, but it's, it, I suppose it depends on what level you want to go to and to how much you learn about what the images meant and what it all was and yeah, how you integrate after it. In your Awaken the Dream program, you emphasize the importance of psychedelic integration in mental health. So why is this integration process so crucial and especially in the context of dream therapy? Well, you know, a psychedelic journey is held on either side, ideally, by preparation, which means intention setting, among many other things, and then integration. And if you have those two pieces in place, it can be an incredible journey that you can take into your everyday waking life and continue to benefit from. But what happens there in the middle when you're under the influence of an entheogen is really quite uncontrollable. It's really um, a result of a relationship with the plant or the medicine and what comes forth and it can really crack a person open in really pleasant and enjoyable and amazingly you know even ethereal ways and in traumatic ways it can really open up pandora's box and allow you to th see things that weren't available to you in your normal waking consciousness i mean it's called an expanded state of consciousness for a reason because there's we have access to a lot more and the reason that integration is so important is because many of us don't know what to do with that a lot more right we need a way to place all of that into our lives and our healing and our growth and so that comes the integration process actually starts before it starts with why are you doing this right what would you like to get out of this and all of the other parts that are that are a part of the intention setting part of preparation and then afterwards you can kind of see how did that play out because the medicines, generally speaking, do respond to the setting of an intention, not necessarily how you imagine it might, not necessarily how you want it to, but they do respond. And understanding that response can be very, very beneficial to one's life. Otherwise, it's like, what the heck was that? And you go on about your life and you know, I upset some people by saying this because, well, in indigenous cultures, it's not so, it hasn't been so important, this whole idea of preparation and integration, because the whole thing is a part of one thing, that it was a part of life. But I'm talking about in Western extractive colonialist culture. If you are just taking a bunch of entheogens, especially on repeat, and you're not setting any intentions and you're not integrating it into your life, how is that different than just taking drugs? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's that's really the importance of it. And, and, and it's really the same thing as the importance of integrating dreams. 
when our dreams are deep down in the most soulful parts of us and feeding up to our consciousness this vital limitless potent information the question for me isn't more like why would you but why wouldn't you <laughs> why yeah. wouldn't you try to understand what's happening there it's a question that I'm asking constantly right <laughs> when people are right. like why are you into this dreams thing I'm like why wouldn't you be right <laughs> now I know you can't give it all away because that's why people sign up to your school but what are some ways that people could integrate after using psychedelics like how do they you know use that in their life well, in the training, we teach people, how, we teach the students in our training how to help others integrate their experience. So we teach them the method of embodied imagination as, as it applies to psychedelic integration. So everybody who takes our training actually practices with each other. They use each other's dreams. They learn very deeply for in a pretty short period of time, a lot about dream work and they learn the method of how we apply this method that originated in dream work. Although I recently came to find out from, from the founder of the method, the pioneer of the method, Robert Bosnack, that it actually was founded in psychedelics, LSD, like 60 years ago or something. But anyway, I digress. Um, <laughs> um, it's a cool where little was I? I like that. <laughs> Yeah, but so so basically, um, they're learning how to use embodied imagination and the short version of what that looks like is they're learning how to take their clients back to the vision that they had or the experience because you can work with a memory or a vision, the experience that they had with psychedelics, and then they help them to revisit certain images or environments and have an embodied experience with that. So they kind of put their habitual consciousness or their ego perspective aside for long enough to become absorbed by the images or experiences that they have. And in that physical absorption called an embodiment, they have access to new information, the information that that image actually holds and maybe the reason that it's there in the first place. And what we find is that we'll go through a vision and pick up two, three, maybe even up to five different images in the body. We help the person to anchor that in the body in a very specific way so that they have access to it later on. And when you hold all of that in the body at once at the end in something called a composite, it's almost an alchemical process where all of these new bodies are inhabiting the one body in an anchor and it sort of cooks up to create something new. And it's usually a pretty powerful insight or several. It can take a while to integrate, you know, embodied imagination is an expanded state of consciousness on its own. The whole thing happens in hypnagogia, so a liminal state of consciousness. And um, there's just a ton to be discovered there. So people might go in and discover something that seemed utterly fearsome or horrific, held spaciousness and curiosity. They might find something that looked really sweet, held a lot of fear. You never know what, what you're going to find there. But 
all of it together is always a kind of a tincture that's a medicine in itself for the person. And in the practice of embodiment, they can take that and continue practicing it in their day-to-day -day life, letting whatever insights arise that will arise, and then putting that into action. And so it's really powerful. So in your work, you've obviously observed how all of these experiences influence the nature and quality of life that people have. Do you have any stories that you'd like to share of even an example of something for yourself or anything that a client has given you permission to share as an example of like what they experienced or then what they needed to integrate or anything like that? So let's say that somebody has, again, I'm going to say the integration process starts before the journey. And so that's the way I'm going to talk about it. So let's say that the person first did a preparation and in the preparation session, session with their person, they really, the reason that they were going into the psychedelic journey in the first place is to understand themselves more deeply and in particular what's getting in the way of them experiencing relationships in the way that they would like to what's creating repetitive relationship problems let's say okay and then they go and they have this journey and they see all this wild and crazy stuff and some of it makes perfect sense with relationship to their question and some of it doesn't and then they come for a an integration session and in the process of working their vision based on the associations that they have to the visionary images in addition to the embodiments that they share with the, some of those visionary images let's say that one of the images was a child and they come to during the embodiment process with that child they come to understand that that child doesn't trust anyone so we would help them to anchor that feeling in the body what does it feel like to just want to trust people but not trust people and if they say that's what they're feeling, once they're embodied in the body of that person, we'd ask them, where do you feel that the most? And they'd say, oh, I feel that in my stomach. Okay, let's anchor that feeling in your stomach, that feeling of wanting to trust people, but not being able to trust people, right? And then let's say there's another image in the dream that's a, an animal of some kind. It's a beautiful cat. And they go to the, I, I don't know if I just said dream or vision, sometimes I confuse them, but let's just say they go to this cat and this cat has this incredible, once they, we get them close enough and they have an embodiment and they're inside the body and perspective of the cat, this cat has such a sense of its own beauty. This cat knows its own beauty with every breath, with every filament of every hair on its body. This cat knows its own beauty. So we help the person to anchor that, the beauty that it knows of its own essence. 
Where do they feel that the most? Oh, I feel it across the shoulders. Okay, we're gonna anchor that there, that sense of your own beauty that you feel as the cat, right? So now they've got in the stomach, they've got the mistrustful little girl and in the shoulders, they've got this sense. And then there's this other image in the vision that's a man. And when they get inside the man and the man could have on the exterior or according to their perception of the vision from the outside been a terrifying man, just a scary, scary man. But they get inside and we get them into an embodiment with that man. And when they get inside of that man, they realize that he's terrified and he's just lashing out like a rat backed up against the wall before it dies, just lashing out in fear. Where in the body do you feel that fear? I feel it in the heart. Okay, let's anchor that there. So at the end of the session, what we're gonna do is that person is gonna hold in their heart that fear for your life, that morbid fear. And then they're gonna anchor across that shoulders, that feeling of knowing with every cell, every part of your body, your own beautiful essence. And then they're gonna add in, in the stomach, that sense of, oh, I wanna trust people, but I just can't. And we're gonna let them hold all three of those bodies in one for a while and let that cook and see what wants to emerge from that. You see what could potentially happen? Mm. Not only do they have the individual anchors, but usually what happens, what comes out of the tincture, the alchemical potion that they're cooking in the Alembic of their body is something new, something totally new. And then they, they leave the session and I say, well, you practice that two times today again, and then tomorrow you practice that three times. And the next thing you know, they own it. It's theirs. That's real integration. Does that make sense? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. So this just goes to show that that example just goes to show so much as to why people who do just take psychedelics and then don't work with the visions and work with the images aren't going to get much out of it like I can easily see someone taking things being like oh yeah I just saw this random cat haha <laughs> how weird's that what a trip versus exactly. what you've just explained exactly that's it so it's it could just be a bunch of crazy you know hallucinations hmm. right or it could be life-changing yeah. Wow. I love it. I'm so glad I got you on here. <laughs> <laughs> Your approach uniquely combines science with spirituality. I love mm -hmm. that. How do these elements come together in understanding dreams and psychedelic experiences? Like how do you work with both of them? Mm -hmm. Well, it's more of an understanding like you know when i was trying to write my dissertation on the effects of embodied imagination on people who were facing an end of end of life in order to try and substantiate the use of something that really cannot be quantified i had to look to the science to support what it was that that people were doing 
And so I looked at the neuropsychology of dreaming and I looked at the parallels between dreaming and um, psychedelic, psychedelic experiences. And there's a ton of overlap in the same areas of the brain um, and also with meditation, sort of the same thing where you can Here's an example. After I finished um, cancer treatment, I came to understand that while the doctors were vigilantly trying to save my body, they were ignoring the fact that I was in full on CPTSD symptoms, right? And so my brain had gone to that and it wasn't really allowing my body to heal in the best ways possible. And part of that is because um, our brains are sort of preferential to negative experiences it's a leftover from survival right from caveman days so you're going to attend to the things that might be dangerous so our brains will latch onto a trauma and just keep sending us down those same pathways in an attempt to sort of keep us safe and we get stuck in this loop in our parasympathetic system you can add in something that is not dangerous and train the brain to behave differently and that's what i think is happening when we bring in the different embodiments and so that's pretty sciencey i mean there's i could go into it in a lot deeper way of explaining it but it's basically a way of rewiring the brain's pathways to respond in a different way to get out of sort of well-worn paths of trauma response and into capacity for joy. And so we sort of look at that and we look at the fact that, oh, this is dream work and everyone thinks it's totally woo. And we understand that, no, these two things can work together. We can understand what's happening in the brain and we can also rely on subjective reports. People say, I feel better. Are we just going to throw that away? Right? People say that when I when I wrote my dissertation, um, I thought that the results were going to pretty much point at embodied imagination is a great practice to use for PTSD. And that's, you know, that's what the re results are going to support. I was very much surprised because what the results actually saw strongest was that people were so supported by the spiritual aspects of having an embodied imagination session, that expanded state of consciousness when they realize there's so much more to me than what we normally consider. There's, I'm accompanied by other beings that are pre present in my psyche and in my soul, and I can call on them and draw on their capacities. I mean, that's like, for people, right? And so it's it's just a beautiful combination of mind, body, and spirit. And that's all required for, for holistic healing and wellness. And so it depends on the audience too. There's a piece of it that's like about depending on the audience. Some people will need to hear about the science in order to be able to fully embrace the spiritual nature of psychedelics and embodied imagination as an integration practice. 
some people will not be concerned with the science of it at all. But because the science is measurable and because the science is endorsed and therefore considered safer, although, you know, as we started with, I find psychedelics to be a lot safer in many cases, particularly microdoses, than some of the things that are currently being offered for a lot of things. Um, we, we hold both. We hold both. Thank you. I had a look at your paper that you wrote about dream work for the dying. It's mm -hmm. incredible. Do you want to talk about that a little bit for the listeners? Uh, it's really a topic that's so close to my heart. Um, I guess the piece that I that I like to talk to to bring to people's attention the most is that it's actually a very common occurrence when people are passing over that they do experience very intense and vivid dreams and very intense waking visions and very often visions of people who have passed before them and in particularly in Western medicine, a lot of times the doctors don't know what to do with that. It feels very uncomfortable for them. They chalk it up to hallucinations, et cetera. And, and what it feels like to me is just like not honoring the process of dying. And I think that it's also makes things very difficult for the families of the dying. And I also think that in our culture, we don't adequately know how to live because we don't know how to die. We don't know how to honor what that process is and what really happens. And so it becomes terrifying and people are stuck in existential crisis. And so if we can honor that process and we can treat it as sacred and we can help guide people to to have deeper and more profound experiences with their images and their dreams as that's happening we can allow them and their families dignity peace shared story like there's just so much upside there's so much positive that can come out of it and um, in working with cancer patients and and doing my dissertation with um, folks who are fa facing end of life, I just and actually coming pretty darn close to it myself with my own yeah. cancer um, experience. I just it's something that I want to promote as much as I humanly can and we are developing a training for palliative care workers hospice workers those who work with people who are passing over so that they do understand how to help people integrate visionary images and prepare for psychedelic medicines because i think and i hope that those medicines will those populations will be some of the first to get the medicines when they're legal that would be amazing i've had a couple of family members who had that before passing where they were hallucinating. Um, right. Well, that's the way that the nurses were describing it, but it was just, yeah, there's like you were saying, seeing other family members who have already passed and thinking they were in the room, like 
just getting confused between night and day and things like that. If we had known that that was them preparing and getting ready to go to the other side, it could have been a lot different and, you know, we would have been able to embrace that and understand what's going on rather than just being worried um, because, right. yeah, the it nurses are making it out to be a negative thing, but it's sort of like, oh, well, she's getting ready. Like, let's all be around her more and all this sort of a thing. So, mm-hmm. and I've heard that it is like when you die, it's like you slip into a dream. So if you become comfortable with dreaming, then mm-hmm. you're going to be comfortable with passing away. There's a few people in the world that are scared of dreams and they choose to close them out. And I think... I don't know. I worry that these people are also scared of dying, that they have mm-hmm. they're scared of dying because they haven't really lived. And I feel like a way to really live is to pay attention to your dreams and remember them and experience everything that we can experience. Like this year I've been dream journaling every dream and I've been having at least one a night, one to like six per night and writing them all down. And I feel like this year has gone for about the length of five years compared to every other year that I've lived where I've ignored my dreams right. and I've right. ignored symbols and thought, oh, that's not real. I'm just making things up or I'm imagining it. And it's like, no, these are things coming through for a reason. And there's so many more layers to life. And it's mm-hmm. it's not just like living in the day and our general oh, no. there's so much more beneath the surface right that gives well, such think a about how much time. time we spend doing it mm. it's a great portion of our lives and it's not wasted i actually i i tend to believe that even for people who aren't working their dreams or coming into relation with their dreams their dreams are still working for them yeah <laughs> yeah 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 even if you don't remember the dream you still get like you wake up with different feelings and different ideas and things like that. It's still right. definitely going to work. It's just, I think we should enjoy them and not fear. I think fear right. sometimes holds right. people back. Right. And like you said, I, at there's the nothing to be afraid of. I've never seen anyone. I mean, nightmares can be really disturbing, but nightmares are actually my favorite kinds of dreams of all because there's so much potent information to integrate and what I see is once someone has integrated the information from a nightmare, it never returns. Mm. And so, you know, nightmares don't have to be, a, you know, a nightmare is just subconscious material trying really hard to get our attention. And so once we attend to it, then the nightmare goes away outside of nightmares, which can be very disturbing because of how hard they're trying to get our attention. I've never seen anyone really hurt by a dream. Mm. Yeah. So do there's you think nothing that, to be afraid of. Do you think that um, when people say like, oh, he had a bad trip, that that is kind of like a nightmare? I sure do. <laughs> so now when someone says, oh, I had a really bad trip, do you get really excited? Because you're like, this is going to be a huge breakthrough. <laughs> Um, no, <laughs> I, get really curi- I get really curious. Yeah. I'm not afraid of, you know, I'm definitely not turned off or turned away from people having, bringing bad trips for integration. But I will say, you know, and it's important to say that sometimes people will get things cracked open during a psychedelic experience that are, that need more tending to than just a little integration. Sometimes people need 
psychotherapy, right? Sometimes people even need medical attention. So, you know, there's, there's a whole spectrum, but I would say most people would be served by some good integration. <laughs> Can I ask you, do you have a dream of your own that has been big for you that you'd like to share? I, I'm not going to share it, take all the time to share them in detail, but I'll tell you what came out of them. The two biggest dreams that I've ever had in my life, and I've had a lot that have really helped me in just tremendous ways, but the two biggest ones, both of those dreams, I, has, I, was, I had people helping me work them using embodied imagination, and they guided me into an image that was very, very frightening and distasteful to my waking consciousness. I didn't want to go there. It was very difficult to get an embodiment there and I didn't like it there at all. And upon staying with it in both of these dreams, on the other side of the fear, I entered a vast, vast blackness. And even in that vast blackness that had no top, no bottom, no sides, that was very, very, very fearful. I felt like, am I dead? You know, can I get out of here? Every kind of fear. And then staying on the other side of that fear, both times, what I came to experience was, oh, this is the place of unlimited potential. I can create anything I want here. I am the creator of this reality. And I wept with joy in both of those experiences. The dream realm introduced me in a personal and in a physically felt way to what is unlimited potential and the role that I can play there. Wow. That gets me emotional just listening. Mm -hmm. The way you tell it, I can feel it all the way on the other side of the world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very moving. It's very moving. It's, um, And it's something that I carried with me back into my waking life. Yeah. And then there would be a huge ripple effect on your waking life after feeling that and right. having right. that with you. Yeah. And it's also part of my calling and my mission for people to understand that, that the dream realms is a place of unlimited potential. So is this one, but we'll, we'll stick with the dream realms for now. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. Do you have people come to you before they've ever tried psychedelics and you basically or you teach about setting the intention and then what to expect and then what happens afterwards or do you usually just have people coming to you afterwards? Well, the truth is, is, is that it's been, a, it's been a while that I don't do either because growing the school and being a co-founder has become a full-time job. 
what I did the most of because of that affiliation with the MAPS website as a plant medicine integration specialist was integration. And that's how I discovered the application of embodied imagination. In the training, we do also offer three months actually of preparation training on eight different medicines. And that includes ethics and history and psychopharmacology and contraindications and all of that. So I do understand it. I've done all of the research. I've talked to people about it, but that's not been the majority of my practice. However, my co-founder Ophelia is a ceremonialist and she has done a lot of that with, she's been focused on that side with more people than I have. For me, it's been mostly the integration piece in actual practice. I will say that I learned a lot about what was necessary on the preparation side from seeing where people were on the other side of the journey who came oh, to yeah. me for help, right? Yeah. yeah. It was a wealth of information over eight years. Do you have any tips for anyone who's thinking about trying psychedelics for the first time or even for the second, third time now that they've listened to this podcast and realized that there's so much more to it? Yeah, um, I would say, you know, there's just a lot to say, but if I, if I get to say one thing, it's really sit with your why. Why are you doing this? And then really ask yourself if you really want the answer to the question that you ask, the intention that you set, when you go into it and are you willing to surrender completely to that answer being whatever it is? Yeah. Yeah. I think it's similar there with dreams when people have intentions of something that they want to know about. And then, like you said, it doesn't always show you what you think you're going to get. It shows mm -hmm. you what the truth. And mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then you might even think it's not related because in your mind you're going no way <laughs> or right. yeah it'll show something that seems totally unrelated but then when you go through the integration process it's like oh wow yeah yeah you yeah. have to be ready to hear the answer the true answer right. so for anyone who is listening and they want to get involved in this Dr. Catherine Lawson is currently enrolling for her program with the integration method and it's based on this embodied imagination dream work so in the show notes I'll put the link so anyone hearing can sign up and join with her you are looking to expand into shorter format educational offerings that will be available in an evergreen format online and mm -hmm. organizational trainings for healthcare professionals who are starting with the palliative care workers mm -hmm. yeah yeah, so what we're discovering as we're um, enrolling our second cohort of students in the six-month certification program for integration and preparation, uh, preparation and integration is it's not just the professionals that we're training who are really hungry for education around psychedelics. And we have a ton of beautiful um, education and videos that we made in Costa Rica with an amazing documentary filmmaker. And we want to be able to offer that information and that training to anybody who wants to know or learn more for themselves, for their family members, for curiosity's sake. 
Um, and so we're hoping to be able to start offering through the platform just little pieces that you can um, get into and start it whenever you want and finish it whenever you want and start offering it that way and to, to a broader range of people for a lot, you know, it's much less expensive. There's not a continuing education credits or anything affiliated with it. And then we're already um, in the process of developing a training for palliative care workers, but we'd like to begin training any other kinds of organizations and professionals who want to be ready before these medicines become available or who are already being asked about these medicines and how to how to manage it from people who are doing it on their own we want to start training them also in the preparation and integration processes i know a few i know a few doctors who would be very interested in that i will be passing your details on so for those listening who are interested if you're driving and you can't look at the show notes right now i'll say it to you and you can stick this in your memory it's awake in the dream.co Oh, there's heaps on here. So much information all about the community, how to enroll, testimonials, continuing education. Have a look, awakenthedream.co. What are some common misconceptions people have about the relationship between psychedelics and dreams? I think that people have misconceptions about them individually, but not about them together. And, you know, for example, people might not think that they have anything to do with each other, and that's just not true. And, you know, people think that if they take psychedelics, their brain might get permanently broken, and that's rarely true. You know, it's I think that goes back to the whole thing of our brains latching on to the negative things and just sort of letting that run on loop. Yeah, I mean, misconceptions about dreams is that, well, here's a, here's a misconception that I haven't heard but I'm gonna present it anyway and the argument for it. A lot of people don't remember their dreams. So a lot of people are like, oh, I'd love to do dream work, but I'm not dreaming. And of course, then we tell them, yes, you are. You just don't remember your dreams and you can learn how to remember your dreams. The interesting thing about working with psychedelic visions is that generally speaking, people remember their psychedelic visions. So you've got the material right there to work. So you're not excluded in the way that some people feel by working with their dreams, from working with their dreams, because the memory is there. So how do you, like if someone comes to you and they say, like, I'd really love to work with you doing some dream work, but I just don't remember my dreams. What are your top tips? I generally tell people that it's like developing a relationship, like dating, like, so you can't dismiss anything and then you can build on the little things. Like yet, if you got a wink, you know, you just keep building on that. And like any other relationship, the relationship with your dreams thrives on attention. So to get it going, you can't ignore anything. You have to pay attention to anything. So I advise people to, you know, I don't tell people to shy away from recording things into their phone because that's better than nothing. And if you have a memory that's just, I saw a flash of the color yellow, record that into your phone or write it down. You've just winked at the dream realm and said, oh, I'm paying attention to you. And then the next day or even a week later, if you get, I saw a piece of flash of yellow, I think it was a car, you write down, I saw a flash of yellow and I think it was a car. 
because you're building on that relationship. So that's my top one is don't ignore anything ever. You're building a relationship that thrives on attention. The second thing is setting an escalating alarm that wakes you up maybe like two hours before you'd normally wake up. So it'll wake you up right in the middle of a dream or in a dream and don't wake up quickly, wake up slowly, don't move anything, rehearse the dream over in your head and then write it down. But don't go back to sleep or it's gone. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, don't trust that you'll Except remember some it. Of us. I can go back to my dreams, but not very many people can. And then I think the last one, which is kind of weird because of the one before that, is don't wake up with an alarm. Yeah. Because alarms are dream killers. It just pops you right out and there's no way that you're going to remember. But waking up as slowly as you possibly can yeah. is a really good way of being able to capture that little piece that you will then attend to as if it was, you know, complimenting the hot guy on his shirt. <laughs> and then you just keep building on that. do I love that I've referred to it as like a needy girlfriend before like yes. you can't leave the messages on reddit without replying like right exactly when a dream comes through you got to write it down or yeah. everything you've just said is so spot on I used to use like I have a one-year-old and she's she's my dream alarm because she wakes up at 4 a.m every day right and it's perfect because right. then I get an extra dream to write down because then yeah. I will go back to sleep and then have a different dream so I get yeah. to write them all down. But yeah, you're right. There was a battle of about a month where I would wake up, like be laying there remembering my dream and then be like, you don't need to write it down. You'll never forget that. And then of course it's gone. And every day yeah. I'd be like, why didn't I write it down? Right. Yeah. So yeah, no, you have get to out write of that it habit. down or at least record it into your phone. And um, I, I don't want to spill the beans yet, but I'm I'm going to be collaborating with someone who's developed <clears throat> a supplement based on ancient Persian mystics and uh, an herb that they used that I've never, I mean, I love Blue Lotus and I use that sometimes too for dream recall, but um, this is just I can't, I don't even have words for how unbelievably potent it is for your dream life. Are you allowed to share with us what the ingredient is? I think in ancient Persian mysticism, it's called Soma, but I don't know what the, mm. the makeup is of it, but I will tell you that I have been testing it and what I have experienced is very much like a combination of lucid dreaming and astral projection together. Mm. So you're in the dream, you're aware that you're dreaming and your dream imagery is for me, what it's like, it's like going to, I call it going to night school. I'm learning things the whole time and I'm able to, see it from that perspective it's wild it's just wild so we're learning more as we're learning more about psychedelics and entheogens 
we're also learning about what are called onirogens, which blue lotus is one, mugwort is one, and this substance is also one mm. that allows us to interact with expanded states of subconsciousness. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what, exactly what you'd call it. You'll have to let me know when this is out so that I can share it. I mm. am bringing out a sleep and dream supplement soon too in the making at the moment but yes mine is not as fancy as yours I've just I do have blue lotus and mugwort in mine but yes very excited those are great yeah those are really really those are both really potent and very ancient yeah yeah it's Mm -hmm. exciting I'll send you a free box (laughs) great I'll let you know how it goes for people that are listening if you do want to remember more dreams I've made a free ebook so I will put it in the link below it's got a ton of tips and information about why you should even care about remembering your dreams and how to remember them Um, so jump on board and grab that Catherine just before we go is there any last words or final tips or pieces of advice that you wanted to share that we haven't touched on yet I will say that I forgot to mention that I have published a book Um, It's called Dreamwork for Growth and Healing. It's a guided journal, Dreamwork journal. So it takes you through seven steps for working with your dreams. And then it gives you space for writing out those steps and interacting with the the lessons. Um, There's a custom mandala for each of the seven steps. And it's available as an ebook also that's really affordable. Some of those steps, I think, would be really useful for people who are trying to integrate their psychedelic experiences on their own. Mm, That's exciting. I'm going to get my hands on that. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for coming today, Catherine. It's been a pleasure. I just want to say I'm so glad we finally got to meet this way. I do want to extend my heartfelt thank you to you, Dr. Lawson, for joining me and sharing your valuable insights on dream work and psychedelic healing. We've covered some really intriguing ground, um, discussing the crossroads of mental health, psychedelics, and dreams. So like I said earlier, for those who are interested in getting deeper into Dr. Lawson's work, check out the episode notes for links and resources. Thank you all for tuning in to the Dream Hub podcast. Remember, exploring your dreams is a journey worth taking. Keep an open mind and who knows what you'll discover. I'm Melissa Johnson, and I'll catch you on the next episode.